everybody. Welcome to episode 66 of Track Wrestling's Weighing In with Andy Hamilton and David Mirakatani. I'm Andy Hamilton, joined on the phone by David Mirakatani. Welcome back, David. How you doing, Andy? Doing all right. You? I'm good. It was a crazy weekend of doing the rankings, and um, one of the guys that helps me, we were talking about it and how crazy the team points were going to change. It seems like every week that's been the case for like the last four or five weeks. That's been the best part of this season as far as the rankings go, from my, <laughs> my perspective. Just uh, knowing that, that uh, um, you know, we went 11 weeks without a change in the team race at the top, one and two, but uh, everything else was fluid for about two months there, you know, from three on down to ten, and it remains that way. It's kind of cool that just one outcome can really – alter three or four different teams inside the top ten, you know, like that, can can change where they are in the team race. And I think it's going to set us up for a really fun team race, not just for the title, but uh, also three three and four and who brings home trophies from Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun to keep an eye on the rest of the way, David. So before we get rolling into the track wrestling Rankings presented by Resolite. Uh, we got to give a shout out to our sponsors from Resolite, our friends at Resolite. This podcast is sponsored by Resolite Sports Products, your one source for both classic and lightweight mats. From Resolite Zip Mat, the first and only tape-free mat to offer a waterproof interlocking connection system to Resolite's exclusive DigiPrint mat. The only fully customizable mat featuring unlimited graphics that brings unrivaled school branding to your new lightweight mat. Visit Resolite.com for all your wrestling mat needs. Resolite, the mat company. Well, David, as we mentioned, some changes at the top of the team race in our rankings. And a new number one, our old number one is the new number one. (laughs) Penn State was number one. Uh, For a week early in the season, it's been Ohio State for the last 11 weeks. Saw that margin get closer last week, and then this week uh, we can explain why. We can dive into why uh, here in a bit. But the Nittany Lions are on top again with 118 points. Ohio State is number two with 117. Iowa up to third with 77 and a half points. That's the high water mark for the Hawkeyes this season. Missouri up to number four. Missouri is in fourth with 73 and a half. North Carolina State in fifth with 69. Lehigh in sixth with 55 and a half. Michigan is seventh with 53. Oklahoma State in eighth with 52 and a half. Virginia Tech in ninth at 42. And a new number 10, first time in our two years of having the track wrestling rankings that Wyoming has cracked the top 10. The Cowboys are checking in 10th at 36 points, just ahead of Arizona State with 35. Rutgers gaining a little ground up to 12th this week with the new number one, Nick Seriano, at 125. And then uh, to kind of round out the top 15 here, South Dakota State 13th with 26, Cornell 14th with 25 and a half, and then a two-way tie for 15th, Illinois and Wisconsin at 24. David, as we mentioned, uh, some fun stuff taking place in this team race, some really interesting stuff. And uh, 
Spencer Lee's victory over Nathan Tomasello really shook up not just 125 pounds, but also the top 10 in the team race. For sure. I mean, obviously, the, the most obvious takeaway is Iowa gains a ton of points there. Ohio State loses significant points there. Uh, and it obviously impacted Rutgers in a really positive way, too. And, and we, we talk about this a lot, but it's probably worth reiterating. In terms of advancement points, the difference between ninth and going 0-2 is only two points. So, I mean, obviously during those advancement points, you can get pins and techs and majors, and that can make a big difference. But if you just grind out, you know, if you win and win, get to the quarters and then lose and lose, and you won two one-point decisions, you scored two points. And I'm not saying that's anything not to be really proud of and all that other stuff, but it's only two more points than the guy that didn't even get on, on the bus or the train or the airplane to go to Cleveland. I mean, so all the points are, you know, for the most part are in the top eight. And it sort of felt like Ohio State was kind of like Oklahoma State last year where they got out to the lead and they had three or four weights where they couldn't go any higher and Penn State is just slowly caught up. And you were prophetic um, when you talked about they needed – Penn State, excuse me, needed to get points at 41 and 97, and that's exactly what happened. And it's kind of frightening to think where Penn State would be in this team race if Nick Suriano had stayed. I guess they'd be number one, David. <laughs> <laughs> by 20 more, yeah. Yep. Yeah, by tw- they'd be up 21 right yeah, now. Yeah, right. So it's just what's crazy if you look at that, though, is like if you if you move those points off, Rutgers drops to 30th, you know, or something like that, even far more so, like down to 35th. You know, one guy. Rutgers would drop down into a tie with Purdue for 31st place with eight points if you subtracted the 20 for Suriano. But that being said, you know, they may have some other options. You know, sure. uh, Right. Could have scored him a point or two in there. But nonetheless, it's it's a significant drop. And, you know, it's, you know, I think Wyoming, you know, they had a really, they've had some really good first half performances and, you know, you do the, you guys do the write-ups for the rankings. I just send them to you, but it's, it's, it's good to see new blood in the top 10 for sure. So let's take a run through 125 through heavyweight, David. Why don't you give us the major bullet points of what changed? I know if we want to start at 125, that looks like an absolute nightmare for seeding committee right now. Yeah. Fortunately for the people that put the seeds together for the NCAA championships, a lot is going to get cleared up in the next seven, eight weeks. It's going to help that process. But uh, right now, the waters are pretty muddy. Yeah. A friend of mine who helps me with this, you know, he listens to the podcast and he said something. He goes, you really need to talk about how hard it is to rank certain weights. And I think that's probably worth talking about this week because there's only like three or four other weight classes where there is really much of anything that happened. So if you start with 25, like we have Suriano at one, but that's because we count the all-star meet. So if you don't count the all-star meet, Cruz is one. And if Suriano were to go undefeated and win the Big Tens, he would obviously beat a ton of really good guys. But who would get the number one seed at Nationals? Him or an undefeated defending champion, win over the world silver medalist in Darian Cruz. Um, Spencer Lee, Spencer Lee is kind of like Grant Leith at 149, like this big win 
got him over kind of a weird loss. Like it became a body of work thing because we have Bresser all the way down at 15 and he just beat Lee. But part of it was, and I don't know if I should, I'm going to just say this. Like I couldn't see Nathan Tomasello going any farther than four. So that meant Spencer Lee had to be at three. And then, you know, there's a lot of different ways to cut the rest of this stuff up. Piccinini actually benefited from Spencer Lee beating Tomasello because the week, I think it was just the weekend before when Spencer Lee beat Piccinini, it didn't feel like a bad loss, but it felt like a non-top 10 loss or, a, you know, like a kind of a 7-8-9 kind of loss. Now it's a loss to a top three guy, and so it doesn't hurt him as much. He's lost to Lee, he's lost to Lezak, and he beat Cruz in the All-Star meet. So, you know, you, you use the analogy of the iPhone cords. I use the snow globe analogy. It, it's going to be a mess. And the Big Ten, like most weights, really almost every weight but 41, is really crazy here when you figure Suriano Lee, Tomasello, Lezak, Sebastian Rivera, Luke Welch, Drew Matten, and Travis Piotrowski would be your quarterfinal matches. You know, I, you know obviously top to bottom in the opposite order. And Drew Matten beat Lezak, and that may have been the only time in my life I've ever seen a guy pick neutral in the 30-second go. Have, you're kind of a historian. Have you ever seen anything like that before? Yeah, I did. Uh, I did down at South Beach, and I, I cannot remember what the circumstances were. I think it was a guy that had gotten reversed it got reversed in the first 30 seconds, but but certainly not out of. Uh, it's a rarity. Yeah, yeah, it's a rarity, and it's it's more of a uh, kind of a circumstantial play than than a respect play, uh, like like Matten picking uh, neutral against, you know, just uh, basically just saying I'm not going to go into the. the Lions the, the, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the teeth of of where he's good, so. So, uh, yeah, it's it's certainly a rarity, though. And and Matten and Milhoff have kind of had these up-and-down seasons, right, where they've had really good wins and kind of had some puzzling losses. I mean, Matten lost to Milhoff's backup, yet we still have Matten one spot above Milhoff based on body of work. So, you know, it's it's kind of weird. Like, when you kind of look at where some of these guys are bounced around to, you know, Milhoff started at 6, hit as low as 18. Now he's up to 14. Matten came out of red shirt, got all the way up to nine. You know, there's just all these different ways to look at things. And, you know, I don't think the seating committee – it's it's interesting. Like, I, you're, I think, you know, you and I have spoken a lot. You know, I, I feel like we're friends, and we both like other sports and how you look at other – you know, like how they select the Final Four in football. No matter how you crunch data, there's some sort of human – interpretation of it and when you do that there's more than one way to interpret some of these things and and sometimes you feel like you're really right and sometimes you feel like I went with the best option so I think 25 and obviously be a lot more wrestling to be had before the conference tournaments and nationals so um, yeah I think I think one of the hard things to to figure out is like how do you reward you know, a guy that has some 
really good wins, but also has some puzzling losses. And another guy that has basically no body of work as far as strong wins go, but he hasn't lost. Um, there, you know, there are a lot of a lot of factors in play here, and uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's fascinating to watch them play out each week on paper. Not that they not that they matter all that much, but uh, it's fun to dissect. It's good. Uh, good conversation points and uh, you know like I said it's been and fun to analyze these from start to uh, start of season to where we are now but uh, man 125 is going to be absolutely bonkers in the Big Ten and, and you look at where it was uh, a year ago or not not a year ago but uh, in the fall yeah and then you throw in Spencer Lee and Drew Matten I mean it was it was a great weight before and <coughs> right now, you know, quarters and semis at the Big Tens are going to be can't-miss stuff, not to mention the finals, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it goes without saying on the finals. And, yeah, the semis usually are always amazing there, but like you're saying, the quarters. I was talking to somebody else at 165. I think nine or ten of our top 15 guys are from the Big Ten. Yep. Someone's literally going to be wrestling for ninth. Yep. And then probably get the 12th or 13th seed at Nationals. That's kind of yeah. crazy, you know, so – yeah. Well, let's move on down the line, David. Thirty-three, forty-one. What do you want to get out there? I know we got some uh, big, uh, big, another true freshman to talk about, Jason Renneria. Yeah, Jay Rent gets in the lineup, and uh, he was struggling a little bit with weight management early in the year. They got him down. Uh, he had like five takedowns against El Vecchio. Kind of gave up escapes and reversals at the end of the period for the match to be even really a little closer than it was. Um, so he comes in right above Del Vecchio, 41, Michael Carr from Illinois, same thing. Uh, you know, kind of just putting together a body of work. And what people should probably know is, you know, we, we have guys, but not, I mean, first of all, we rank five deeper than everybody else. But we also have, you know, a list of probably 10 to 15 guys that we're watching. You know, when somebody falls out, we're not, you know, scrambling for who to put in. So, he was a guy that was on our, our radar and, uh, you know, finally did what it take to get in the rankings, and, you know, that helps Illinois a lot. 49, Grant Leith was really the big mover. Uh, you know, he kind of been a 15 to 25 guy most of the year. He had a great win over Tishko. He's only had one bad weekend the whole year, and it was here in St. Louis, and so I kind of had to, like, you know, just say maybe this is weighing on my mind more than it, it should because I saw it happen. And I saw him lose to Boo, lose to Boo Lou Wallen when Boo wasn't even the starter or, or eligible. And then I saw him lose to uh, Davion Jeffries. But since then, he's beaten everyone, you know, including Chishko and most recently Justin Oliver. And Heilman at South Beach. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And so I think those three – Really quality wins outweigh one bad weekend in the middle of November. Um, 57, I almost never do this, but we left Pantaleo alone even though he lost Andrew Crone. And really the reason why was it, we keep, I keep what these guys did at Cliff Keen, Las Vegas, Midlands, and Scuffle on our spreadsheet. And I do that because when in doubt, when it's a tie, I go to who did best in big tournaments because these rankings are sort of based on big tournaments, you know, what we think is going to happen in a big tournament. And 
you know, we have these guys ranked in order, Pantaleo, Jordan, Shields, Berger, and they placed one, two, three, four. Clayton Ream is next, and then Archie Colgan, who took fifth. And so I was trying to figure out, well, if I drop Pantaleo, who do I drop him behind? I mean, I think a couple of people dropped him behind Micah, and I guess that's not wrong, but it just feels like he kind of earned enough at Cliff Keen. He's a guy that had a really weird beginning of the season, kicked the crap out of everybody at Vegas. And, and I this may sound weird, but I give him a lot of credit for his loss to Nolf last weekend. I, I don't yeah, know. it was it was the closest match that Nolf's wrestled in two seasons. Yeah, I don't know if you're supposed to do that, but I did. So, I mean, I guess there are rankings. I guess I can do whatever I want, but it felt like he gets credit for that. The at 65, the chance Marsteller. You and I talked about this. Does Marsteller stay above or below Marinelli? And if there was a way to rank them both sixth and a half, it kind of feels like the right rank. He's only lost once this year, and that was to Bryce Steyart, who would probably be ranked, you know, somewhere 7 through 15, you know, based on his performance last year. And then his next best win, I think, was Demetrius Romero or somebody like that. Yeah. So he doesn't have a – he doesn't hasn't wrestled anyone in the top 16. I But I give him credit – because he's wrestled all the matches. Like, he's like 20-something and 0, or 1, rather, 20-something and 1. And so I give him credit for that. You know, Marinelli, through no fault of his own, missed a lot of matches the first half of the year and is really coming on. And, you know, I would think, I mean, I don't know if he gets a bump for beating Logan Massa this weekend, but, you know, like if he beats Evan Wick or, you know, those kind of guys, he's, he'll probably bump. You know, but that would be a big difference for Iowa would be another two and a half points. Uh, 74, there really wasn't much that happened. 97, there wasn't much that happened. Gravina had a good win against Taylor Venz at 84. And, you know, so that changed some things. And then heavyweight was uh, interesting. There were some results there that I mean, Nick Neville's got a good win over Hamida. And... Tanner Hall, Nathan Butler sort of feels like his kryptonite. You know, this weight class feels like, honestly, after the first two, I mean, like Sam Stoll just went into overtime with Derek White, and that's 3-10, and 10, right? And so that feels like another weight class where the, the round of 16 and certainly the quarterfinals could just be bonkers. Yep. And it's really good, again, in the Big Ten, you know, Snyder, Kuhn, Stoll, Neville's Hamida, um, I guess it's just real top heavy, but five of the top. Sean Streck. Sean Streck, that's your guy, yeah. Conan Jennings. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but really top heavy, right? Five of the top six. Yep. So, yep. you know, Hamida Neville's would be a would be a quarterfinal right now. So, um, yeah, and, and like you said, and when when we talk about what's coming up this week. There's two huge duels where the teams that are ranked higher in, in our rankings would not be shocking if they lost the duels. So, you know, when we go through that, we can kind of talk about who's ranked or seated where, but it's certainly an interesting way to look at that, you know, where it could go a couple different ways. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I want to rewind a little bit first, going back to 133, and I know you had Jason Renneria in your – Charity event last year, the Border Brawl. Yeah. Um, 
I didn't see him making this kind of impact this soon. Did you? He's really strong. Uh, he's And he's really a strong-willed kid. But, you know, those kids, are, when you get those kind of kids, they're all that good. And, you know, you go, hey, yeah, like like him and DeSanto. Like, I, I mean, I really didn't know who DeSanto was until he wrestled Spencer Lee. I don't know if you did. But, you know, I mean, I don't recruit now, so I don't follow – I mean, I knew who all the superstar guys are, and I know he was really good. Renneria, I knew more about Renneria because he, he's from Oak Park River Forest, and I'm friends with Mike Powell. Uh, and Mike said when he wants to go, he's he's awfully dang good. And Manning, I know, was really high on him. But, yeah, I, don't, I didn't know that he would be a top 12 guy. I mean, I'm really happy for him. He was a super cool kid to work with, and his, his dad's a, a great guy and a character, and you know, I love his coaches, but I, I don't know that I would like, oh, yeah, he's going to get his weight down and then just take down Del Vecchio 5-1. to one. I, I don't think I, I'd be lying if yeah. I said I saw that coming, you know. Yeah. 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 Anything else you want to hit before we move on? No, nah, the only other weight, the only other thing at 33, Valdivia is from Northwestern, who also wrestled in our event, is knocking right on the door there. Like, we have him at 26, so it's kind of cool to see these kids that I have a little bit of a relationship with, you know, doing some big things. So that's, that's and probably Connor Brown too. He's probably on the periphery right there at one point five. Yeah, and he got that big defensive pin in our event too. Yeah, their neutral fall pin. So yeah, these guys are coming on up. I actually have Brown at twenty six on our chart this week. So yeah, um, and he had more good wins. So yeah, he's coming too. Well, that wraps up the rankings portion of our podcast, and this podcast is sponsored by. Resolite Sports Products, your one source for both classic and lightweight mats. From Resolite Sip Mat, the first and only tape-free mat to offer a waterproof interlocking connection system, to Resolite's exclusive DigiPrint Mat, the only fully customizable mat featuring unlimited graphics that brings unrivaled school branding to your new lightweight mat. Visit Resolite.com for all your wrestling mat needs. Resolite, the mat company. Well, David, uh, big Event of the weekend, Iowa, Ohio State. Big match of the weekend, Spencer Lee Tomasello. I just want to hear your thoughts on that match and how it played out. I know uh, you got a pretty keen wrestling eye. What uh, were things that stuck out to you in that match? Obviously a huge second period ride for Spencer Lee and then sort of uh, Copperfield-like in the third period coming out of some of that stuff, Houdini-like. That's a perfect description, yeah. Uh, it, was, it was pretty incredible. Um, I think uh, certainly looking forward to future matchups against those guys in the future. Uh, really intrigued already how the next one's going to play out if we if we see another one. Yeah, I think you know, sort of from the coaching perspective, I completely understand and would have encouraged Tomasello to take down for one reason. I think you and I have talked about this. I don't know if it's on air, but certainly off air that. Corey Clark's the only guy that's come close to riding him in the last two or three years. And, you know, if a guy's really good on top, you need to feel him because you need to know, okay, can I get out or not? And, I mean, Drew Matten felt that against Lezak and then realized he couldn't make the adjustment, so made the adjustment in terms of his pick. Um Tomasello, that was a weird second period, right, Andy? Like, there's a couple times it looked like he was almost out, and then there was a couple times it looked like he just wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, and he almost, you know, a couple times in there where you, you wondered if Spencer might turn him. 
too. I mean, yeah, it's a, the, yeah. The suck back and and uh, certainly that that mat return was a big mat return on the edge. It was impressive there as well. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. I I'm, I don't know that I've seen a, a two minute ride where it looked both ways. Like it looked for certain he was gonna get turned or almost turned once or twice, and it looked for certain like he was out once or twice. Usually it's like. You rode the dog crap out of me, and that's a wrap. Or, man, you held on and did everything but get stalling calls for two minutes, and I can't wait to go down next time. And this one felt like both, which was really unique. From your standpoint, uh, you know, with your background in the sport, longtime coach, guy that wrestled at high levels, what makes Spencer Lee so tough on top? He's really good at – if you watch how he does that wrist series – his grip is perfect. Like he, he overhooks. Um, you can tell he's got really like he's probably a great ro- great rope climber. Um, he's got really strong forearms, and he's like almost everybody that's really good on top. He doesn't get away from what he does. That's probably really true, like on your feet too. But in your feet, it's like okay, I fake a high crotch and you go one way. I'm going to go to a sweep single or a snap or it's you know chain wrestling or transitioning. And top, it's more about just – there are transitions, obviously, but I'm going to get to my hold, and I'm going to work the crap out of it. And, like, Daniel Lewis is really good that with that with his series. Spencer Lee, I mean, he's not even really a big 25-pounder, right? Like, right. And, and, and Thomas L is a huge 25-pounder. And, and that lift, I was in my office watching this by myself, pull – pulling up rankings from other results, you know, while, like, whenever there was a commercial, and he slammed him, and I said, whoa, out loud by myself in my office on Sunday afternoon. Like, Yeah, I said the same thing. Okay, okay. Yeah. In my living room. <laughs> yeah. I was shocked. Like, like, he, and here's the other thing. He didn't, he did not look surprised that he won, and he did not get excited that he won. And that's a big tells you a lot, doesn't it? It tells you a lot. And I'm not saying guys shouldn't be happy when they win. Like I lost my mind when I won state my sophomore year. And when I was a senior, I was just happy I didn't screw up because I was supposed to win. And but you know, you think you're supposed to win. And he thinks he's supposed to win those matches. You're super close to that program. I have a couple other friends in Iowa, and they've all said, including you, that this dude was super legit as soon as he got over his injury you know, in the room, that he was going really hard or really well with those guys. And, I mean, it's it's a pr- – the brands are great coaches, obviously, but if he's doing okay with Thomas Gilman, if he's doing okay with Corey Clark, he's probably going to do okay in college. Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. You, you don't have to – there's not a lot of tea leaves to read there, right? Right. <laughs> you know? I mean, and you're talking – yeah, and that probably plays into what you're getting at with the fact that uh, really didn't seem surprised by it. I mean, if, if he's going with Clark and Gilman and, and, you know, either holding his own or more than holding his own. And, and uh, you know, I've heard that, uh, you know, you hear different things from different sources about, uh, you know, the way those battles shake out in the practice room. And, and uh, let's face it. I mean, Nathan Tomasello has lost three matches now in three years. And they're to those three guys, Spencer Lee, Thomas Gilman, Corey Clark. Oh, that's uh, right. So, you were telling me about that crazy Twitter stuff. I never even connected that, that those were his only losses. But, wow, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about a guy now that, uh, what, do you have seven career losses and, th- you know, 
four of them are to, to guys from Iowa. I think he's I think he's got a three and four record or something like that against Hawkeyes. You know, certainly a, a win over Gilman in the Big Ten Finals, or win over Clark in the Big Ten Finals, a, a win over Phil Lauks last year in the dual meet. And uh, uh, but uh, man, for a guy as accomplished as Nathan Thomasell, that's an interesting stat to me that he's like, you know, I think something like eighty four and. Uh, 84 and three against the rest of yeah. college wrestling and, and uh, three and four against, you know, guys from Iowa. But, uh, you know, that, uh, that was such a, an interesting match from the get go. And, and, uh, again, I mean, just incredible that Spencer Lee was able to get out of some of that stuff in the third period. Yeah. Uh, and then also, uh, one of, one of the things that was, you know, 57 was really interesting to me. Yeah. You know, that, that, uh, Cameron dominated the match for, you know, the better portion of, of two periods. And then, uh, you know, Micah Jordan really doesn't get anything going in, uh, in the first two periods. And then all of a sudden comes on in the end. That, that was interesting. And, and also, you know, we've seen Micah Jordan struggle on the bottom. And uh, it, it's really fascinating to me. You, you just don't see guys that are at the top of the rankings in, in the top five, six like that that have a deficiency yeah. like that. Which speaks to how well he, you know, how good he performs on his feet and on top, I think. And if they can figure out a way for, if Ohio State can figure out a way that, uh, you know, they can shore up some of those things on bottom, but that's, you know, been an ongoing issue now for, for three years for him. But if they can, I would love to see what his ceiling is. They don't look you great know. on bottom as a team, though. Right. I mean, Deshaun Campbell got rode really hard by Marinelli. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Miles Martin was up like 10 to one at the end of the first period and didn't get a major, you know, and, and was put on his back for a one count as time expired. Same thing. Bo Jordan, you know, went out to a big lead and, you know, ended up being on bottom. And I don't know how much of that was senior night. I don't know how much of that was, you know, being at home and 15,000 plus people at the shot. Um, it was a weird duel. Like, from a, there's a couple other impressions I have, and then I'll get out of your way. But it was a weird duel because after eight matches, it was four to four. Yeah. And you could see that happening. You certainly thought Iowa would win 49 and 57, and and they were favored to win 65. And you, we knew how good Spencer Lee was, but that was still a huge upset. But you know they didn't get bonused at 33, and then. They didn't get bonused at 74, and then they didn't get bonused at 84. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like the 97-pound match was symbolic of the duel, where, you know, it's close throughout, but you never felt like Ohio State was in danger of losing. And that's kind of the way, <laughs> the way it was with Wilkie and Moore. Yeah. Uh, I, I was talking to a buddy on a, on the phone during that match, and we're, you know, watching Colin Moore in on attacks left and right, and all of a sudden you look up and start a third period, it's four to three. And you're right. like, wow, Wilkie's, Wilkie's actually in this. It feels like it's about eight to two in, yeah. the, in terms of the way it was playing out, but it was four to three, and, you know, Colin Moore poured it on a little bit at the end. But, uh, yeah, it, re- it really was a weird duel. I thought uh, one of the things, that, you know, if you're an Iowa fan, you've got to be pleased about a little bit was just uh, 33, Paul Glenn, you know, continuing to stay in the fight at the end of the match when he's, he's a little bit overmatched there with Pletcher you know, being undefeated and ranked number two. 
Uh, 74, Caleb Young getting the last takedown uh, against Bo Jordan, you know. Mitch Bowman at 84, too. Yeah, yeah, Mitch Bowman fighting hard at 84. I mean, you know, Caleb Young a little bit undersized at 74, and then Bo Jordan looks like a monster no matter which way you put him at. I think yeah. I think he'd look big if he was at 97 even. But, yeah. uh, you know, the guy must have uh, – guy eats Doritos and it goes to his biceps. Yeah. You know, bird bones, right? I yeah. mean, the hollow that yeah. – uh, yeah. Yeah, but uh, those were impressions that I took away from that duel. Iowa fought really hard. Ohio State looked, I mean, they won, but they looked like they're not going to. The big thing that stuck out to me was they didn't get bonus points. And it didn't matter in the duel, but it's going to matter at nationals because Penn State's going to bonus. Like, Miles Martin's up 10 to 1. He's got to get a tech there. He can't get a decision. He's got to get a major minimum. You know, same thing. I think Bo Jordan was up like six to one or eight to two at one point. You know, same thing. You know, same well, he's up two zero in the opening seconds, right? Then, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yep, you're right. Those are things that are going to loom large in this team race. You know, we're looking at it one eighteen, one seventeen right now, and you know the Penn State track record for bonus points. Sure, for sure, absolutely. Like, if if somebody set the Bonus points for 20 for Zane, Nolf, and Nickel combined, which I think most people would pick the over. And, you know, and that's a lot. That's a whole nother champion. But you're not even counting. Right. I'm just, saying, right. I'm just saying those three guys add up to another champion. Then you add those two guys plus Nick Neville's. That's probably another 15 to 20 points. That's like another second place guy. So it's kind of crazy. Yeah, and I thought I, – I agree with you. I thought Iowa fought really hard, uh, and I think they got momentum, obviously huge momentum at 25, but then not getting majored at 33. And even though they got majored at 41, they were fighting really hard. Uh, Keyshawn wrestled Sorensen pretty tough until he got underneath him. You know, he, he got that double leg. Sorensen – I think Brandon Sorensen and Kemmer – are really super underrated. I think Sorensen for his career, and Kemmer, I guess, for his career, because he's only a sophomore, like, if Nolf and Rutherford weren't there, I think you'd be talking about, the, and we meant, you mentioned this last week, about how differently Brandon Sorensen's career would be considered. I think Kemmer's the same kind of guy that, you know, he may only ever win one title because of Nolf, but he's awfully good. I mean, and... I think you're the one that said this to me. He just goes so hard. Sometimes he's got to learn how to pace himself. But you know, he he's or break through that barrier. You know, in the third period, that's it's kind of he's run into a couple times. You know, we've seen it in the past. You know, he does he does he goes hard early. Uh, we haven't seen the pace hold up at, at times for three periods. But uh, you know, that's something I think that it's going to have to get through to, to be in the mix with Nolf. For sure, for sure. And I mean, but Iowa feels like, I mean, they have four, everyone's talking about Spencer Lee and they have three other guys that are undefeated, right? Uh, Sorensen is undefeated. Kemmer is undefeated. Marinelli's Marinelli is undefeated. Cash Wilkie's only lost once and Stoll's undefeated. Okay. Yeah. Right. Right. Yep. And Stoll. I mean, they have four undefeated guys and nobody's talking about those guys. You know, it's super interesting. So well, I, it, yeah, I was, it, goes to, it speaks volumes about uh, where we're at with the with the two teams at the top being potentially two of the 
you know, maybe 10 best teams of all time. Yeah, right now. for sure. For sure on that. Yeah. I think one positive for Ohio State, McKenna. I thought that was a good bounce back for him, and that's kind of what you want to see from him is not uh, not hanging out, winning a 6-2 match against Carter Happel, but going out and putting up a lot of points, dominating the match, and uh, scoring you some bonus points. I, I think that, you know, we talked about this weeks ago. How is Penn State going to get back in the mix? Uh, you know, how is Penn State going to cut that gap when it was up to 20-some, 24 points? Right. You know, now now what are the keys for Ohio State? To me, key number one for Ohio State is is McKenna putting himself back in that mix of title contenders. You know, we talked about maybe the top six. At least podium. Separate. At least podium, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The top six at that weight class kind of separating themselves. And then, you know, a week later, McKenna's getting majored by uh, Tommy Thorne. But uh, – you know, that's a guy with serious upside that, that is capable of finishing a lot higher than where we have him right now. I think 11th is where we have him. Yes. You know, that that's a guy with uh, certainly with top five potential in my mind. Agreed. And he almost reminds you a little bit of Dean Heil, right, where sometimes he just does enough to win and you, and you live by the sword, you die by the sword. You know, like, I'll bet you if Dean Heil and Joey McKenna just sparred for an hour – and there was literally nobody watching, but we had a camera, and we watched those guys open up, it'd be unbelievable. And, you know, they just don't do it very often. So, yeah. you know, I mean. It's there. I mean, we've seen it, uh, you know, and obviously freestyle's a different animal. But, uh, man, he looked good over in Poland. Wrestling's still wrestling, you know. Yep. I mean, it take is a different animal, downs. but takedowns, yep. leg grabbers are leg grabbers. And when he goes and gets them. He can go get them, and you, and you know, for Ohio State to get back where they feel like they they're in the in the lead, so to speak, you know, Tomasello's got to make the finals, McKenna's got a podium, and Tayshon Campbell's got a podium. I mean, those are the the real simple gets for them that need to happen for sure. Anything else from last week, David? Uh, well, yeah, right. Like Seth Gross, Bryce Meredith, great match. Oh yeah, yeah, great match. You know, kudos to both those guys. I talked to several coaches, and it was almost unanimous that if they had gross, they wouldn't have done it. That, really? But, yeah. And, and they're like, look, man, you know, we get judged by what happens in the last tournament of the year, and we wouldn't take a chance on him getting hurt. And if he gets hurt, you know, I, I don't know how to go to back to my athletic director and president and go, well, you know, we're trying to get really good ratings because he's a – prohibitive favorite at 133 yeah. and they've never had they hadn't had a finalist till last year right I, I don't even know if they had an all-american till last year you know they had two i mean you know this guy wins it that's program changing i mean thank god it went the way it did i, I actually give people i had a couple of people go well, neither one of them had anything to lose bryce meredith had everything to lose because if he wins nationals but he loses to seth gross that's all everyone's going to be talking about so I give them both a ton of credit. I'm glad, most importantly, I'm just glad nobody got hurt. Yep. You know, but it, I'm, it was super cool for the sport since it turned out that way. Yeah, I'd love to see more of that in the future. Yeah. You know, it's just so rare, though. It is. It's so rare. I remember I remember back in the day when uh, Mako was coming on the scene, the talk, the rumor in Iowa was about Kale maybe bumping up to wrestle Mako in a dual meet there. You know, obviously it never happened, but uh, – <laughs> you know, those are those are fun matchups to talk about, and they're certainly fun to watch them play out. 
Well, weight certification changed a lot of this. Guys used to bump more when you could eat you yeah. know, and then just get your weight back down. You yep. know, you know, and, and I understand why they do weight search the way they do. And it's for the best, you know, for the best, you know, to the health of the, of the athletes, you know, so it's, it's good intention and it does a lot of good things, but it does screw this up, you know, so, you know, but it was cool. So that's really from last week. That was kind of the main thing, you know, Oh, last week you were on with Richard Immel. So we, we haven't talked about that, but that was awesome. I learned stuff about you. I didn't know you did a great job. So definitely want to give and Emil did a great job with you. That was a, it was a good listen. Yeah, we talked for I think we talked for about eighty minutes, and we probably could have talked for a couple more hours. I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time with Richard this summer at uh, three different World Championship events. We were together in Finland and Paris and Athens, and um, you know he's doing such a great job for USA Wrestling and and uh, on the social media side of things, and and really you know changing the game a little bit for them and. Um, boy, the guy, uh, I, I tell him this all the time. I've been thoroughly impressed with the way he has picked up photography. Um, you know, I've, if you guys ever get a chance, go check out some of the photos that he's taken this year uh, for USA Wrestling. It's, you know, for a guy that just started fiddling around with the camera here, you know, in the last year or so, it's been it's been phenomenal the kind of things that he's done. So he's got a good eye for the sport. You know that helps a lot. Absolutely, guy that wrestled yeah. at Oklahoma. You know, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, and, and uh, has a journalism background. And it's great to see that uh, he's combining the two and and putting them to good use. Yeah, so, that was fun. Well, you could hear the mutual respect in your guys' voices. I visited the OTC like a year and a half ago at uh, around Christmas, and Richard. Uh, was my tour guide there. It couldn't have been nicer. So I guess it was two years ago now, but um, super nice guy. And uh, he did a great job with you. And uh, it was cool to just listen, listen to you. So well done, sir. Well, Dave, we've got uh, another big weekend of duels. You mentioned Oklahoma State, Mizzou, Iowa, Michigan. What are the individual matchups that uh, are really piquing your interest with those? So Obviously, 41 I is going to be – yeah. I thought I'd do something a little more intelligent and kind of put down who I thought were favorites and then the toss-up. So the Oklahoma State-Mizzou duel, I feel like Piccinini's favorite over McGee. I feel like Chandler Rogers is favorite over Flynn. And then Derek White's going to be favored over whoever Mizzou has now that Myers isn't wrestling for them. Mizzou should be favored with LaValle over Blaylock. They should be favored Daniel Lewis over Jacoby Smith and Canton Marriott over Keegan Moore. And then... There's some really weird toss-ups, like 33, Ernesty and Cade Brock, 41, Heil Ironman, 49. I put this as a toss-up because Leith is ranked significantly higher than Boo, but Boo did beat him. And then 97, Weigel's a few spots higher than Miklas. You know, but Miklas is super dangerous and always seems to wrestle well later in the year. So it feels like I feel pretty pretty comfortable those first six matches will go you know three and three in terms of the favorites and i can't see either team sweeping those other four matches but you know it feels like it'll probably end up five five or six four i mean but it wouldn't shock you oklahoma state winning this duel and it wouldn't shock you if mizzou won this duel which i guess is like a huge cop out of saying i don't know what's going to happen but i mean it's just it's really competitive what are going to be the keys for ironman against heil to get over the top against Dean Heil. 
he's got to put him in – I don't even know if he's got to put him in scrambles. He's got to put him in his scrambles, right? Like, Dean Hiles really good at wrestling. We've talked about this with Vincenzo, right? Like, he wrestles in the positions and the situations he's good in. I mean, you were right next to that, Matt, when Ironman caught Yanni. And I don't want to say caught, got him. You know, when he was able to get his mind right and just put him in, in a flurry – He's, you know, Ironman's as good as anybody in the country. Uh, Dean just doesn't get out of position very often, so he feels like he's sort of the kryptonite to Ironman style. But, you know, this is, I think this is an important match for Dean Heil. You know, because the momentum's going in the wrong direction, and this, you know, this would be a really good statement win. Not that he needs it, but just sort of plant the flag. And, and, you know, we've talked about Oklahoma State's schedule, and they're at home now. And, you know, so I feel like that's a really big, opportunity you know for them to make a statement as a team and him individually and and 97 fascinates me too yeah yeah i think that's you know going Miklas, yep. yeah you know Miklas had kind of a bad south beach duels but and and was getting beat by hot but found a way to win and weigel feels like he's gotten a lot better on his feet this year i don't know what you think but last year it felt like his feet was almost a deficiency you know, and just like, okay, if we go 0-0, we're going to win. Now it feels like he's a, he's improved a lot with his offense on his feet. How about Iowa-Michigan? I've got Iowa favored at 25, Lee over Matten, 49, uh, Sorensen over Amin, 57, Kemmer over Pantaleo, although, you know, that's – I mean, I haven't favored, but, you know. And then uh, I've got – Michigan favored at 33 with Misik, 41 with Profaci, but he's not a big favorite, 74 with Amin, um, 84 with Avenatter, and 97 with, uh, well, I guess, I'm sorry, I have Iowa Wilkie favored at 97 over Beasley. So I have it 4-4 in terms of the favorites. And then it's 2-3, and three, but it feels like Kuhn is a, a favorite over Stoll. So it feels like they need Marinelli to beat Massa. I mean, that would, yeah. that would make it five and five, right? Yeah. I mean, obviously, something goofy will happen and we won't be right. Yeah, 41 is going to be an interesting match for sure. And 65, um, those two in particular, I think, are going to go a long way towards determining the winner. And, uh, you know, I, I think 97, you know, talking about a – around a 12 guy against an All-American and Wilkie against Beasley. I know Beasley hasn't, uh, hasn't wrestled quite like put it together yet yeah. Yeah. Uh, this season, but, uh, you know, it's certainly there. For sure. But that feels like all the makings of, like, a 15-15. And it doesn't seem like we either one of those matches or any in that duel that there's a lot of bonus opportunity for either team. Like, I don't see, you know, one way. I mean, maybe Spencer Lee. Yeah, that that would probably be the, Cause the one so, to me. Because you know, it's it's these guys can get four points at a time, right? Those are significant. But you know, Drew Matten's coming off a huge win, and you know, he's a true freshman, just like Lee. Like their growth curves, those true freshmen are a lot faster and a lot quicker. Yep. So yep. you know, and uh, you know, the one thing that could really throw a wrench in this too is if uh, we see Pat Downey make his debut. Yeah. So. We shall see. There's, you know, but it feels like every time we say that, like, oh, well, do you want to start him against Miles Martin? Oh, well, do you want to start him against Abinader? Like, there's not, 
<laughs> it's kind of like, man, maybe we could just put him in like the girl of the blind open tournament and let's get him a few matches in and jumping into the Big Ten schedule the second semester is not probably an ideal spot to, to jump in. But, you know, we're at January 23rd as we record. So, I mean, two months from now, this season's going to be over. I mean, he's got to get in there soon if he's going to do it. Yeah, and he wrestled. Look at who he wrestled at the open with. You know, training up in Wisconsin, rolling around with Ben Provisor up there for a while, and not not having an ideal training situation. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm certain he's been rolling around with some high level guys in Iowa City, and you know, matches are different, obviously, and college matches are are a different animal than than freestyle matches. But you know, that's a guy that can scrap, and uh, you know. If and when we see him in a Hawkeye singlet this year, it's, uh, you know, that's a guy that can really change things for Iowa, whether he goes 84 or 97. That, uh, that's, that's an impactful guy that they could plug into their lineup. Well, no doubt. and Mark, Mark Perry Jr. is a significant part of that equation too, don't you think? Yeah, I, I think, uh, he's, he's played a role in getting Pat there. Yeah. No I, doubt. And I mean, if he's training with the club right now, I think, you know, I know you have a great right. relationship with Junior. He's about as smart as it gets. Unless he, you know, I, I am going to give him a bad time on the air. He did forget his socks for, he was telling me that for the trip to Iran here uh, for the club's cup. Forgot to pack socks. And that's in our international insider. Uh, <laughs> lots of stuff in there about Kyle Snyder and Jacob Warner going to uh, Uregan. And, that's why you're and, the journalist uh, of the year, Andy Hamilton, the sock I, story. <laughs> I, I, I asked Mark, I said, I said, it's 50 below in, in Krasnyarsk. Are you ready for this? And he goes, I'm ready to rock and roll. He, he goes, I'm not making the same mistake I made on the – or he goes, I messed up a little bit on the last trip. I'm not going to do that on this trip. And I said, what happened on the last trip? And he said, I, I thought I'd packed my, you know, my socks and realized <laughs> I got over there. I, I had one pair, and uh, he said I couldn't find anywhere in Iran to buy socks. So he was washing his socks in the shower every every night. <laughs> But, uh, Those had a life of their own by the time that yeah. trip was over. Yeah. yeah. So another interesting nugget about that, he is planning on doing their – Iowa has their annual Arctic plunge uh, yeah. after the, the Michigan duel. Mark is going to hop into the river in Krasnyarsk. At least that's a plan. Wow. And uh, record it as he's, he's uh, fulfilling his obligation there. Because people uh, sponsor those guys, right? It's a yep. fundraiser? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And uh, – Temperatures are on the rise from what I've seen, but it was, uh, you know, I think 52 below the other day, and the coldest record or coldest temperature ever recorded there in Siberia and Krasnyarsk is 63 below. So I saw that it was warming up. I think Terry Steiner posted uh, on Facebook, posted a picture saying they were greeted by like 28 below weather when they arrived this morning. So... Temps are on the rise. It might even get up to negative single digits. I follow you on on Twitter, and you know how you just kind of scroll through quick, and, you know, unless something catches your eye, sometimes you just – I saw you with a weather forecast, and I clicked on it, or a picture, like a snapshot or something, and it took me a second to realize there was a negative in front of that number. I'm like, why is he posting 50 degrees or 48 degrees, whatever it was? Like, why is this relevant? And then I realized it was negative. I was yeah. like, oh, my God, that's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I woke up this morning and it was 15 here. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to go get groceries. And that's, that's a whole new level of pain there. 
Hey, David, we got something here, uh, some breaking news. Okay. Um, Kanan Store has been granted a transfer request from Iowa State. Wow. Yeah. And the release says uh, Kanan Store requested permission to transfer to another institution. I'm going to honor that request and allow him the one-time transfer exception. That's from Iowa State coach Kevin Dresser. And, boy, that's a – He's in, the middle of, to me. he's in the middle of the season and ranked in the top 20. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So will he finish yeah. the season out there? I, I do guess not you know, couldn't know, but that, I can't imagine. Yeah. I, I, I would be surprised if you're talking about a guy that's asking out. Um, but, yeah. yeah, that just popped into my email, and holy smokes, that's a uh, – Wow. That's a stunner. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, that's, that is – yeah. Well, but that being said, Iowa State, uh, you know, I mean, they've, the one thing that they have on that roster is some good young people in those lower weights, Ian Parker, uh, Austin Gomez. Uh, but uh, certainly that was a guy that uh, I think they were pinning a lot of hopes to. Yeah, it was going to be a log jam around. there. It was going to be a log jam there, though, with Gomez. I mean, it was one of the things we were talking about when I was up there at Iowa State for Agony at Ames. You know, so it, if he's not happy, first of all, you know, credit to Dresser and those guys for the kids not happy letting him go. Uh, and then it, it probably will work out better for everyone if they're not thrilled. You know, that's where they should be, right? So. Yep. So, yeah. anyway, uh, before we wrap this up, uh, you've got your charity all-star event coming up. Yeah, two things. Well, first of all, I got a chance to talk to Dave Bell last week, and I know he's that's going to come up. I just want to congratulate those guys at Bergen. That was amazing. And then um, it's not technically an all-star meet because we're not using any Missouri State uh, Misha accomplishments, but it's called okay. the, it's called the Battle for Missouri, and it's Eastern versus Western Missouri. I think a lot of people sort of think of it as St. Louis versus Kansas City, but we didn't want to just do those two cities because you know if you live in not that if you know Missouri, but if you live in Springfield or Columbia or there's some really good kids in Mexico, Missouri. Uh, we wanted to get all the best kids in. So it's based on your non-Misha accomplishments. So like like Severado will be chosen because he was second in the world, not because of what he did at state. Like DJ Shannon would be picked because he was second at Super 32s, not because of what he did at state. I think those those examples sort of explain it. And um, it's obviously going to be tied to Randy Couture's charity, again, the Extreme Couture GI Foundation. We're going to do it outside uh, at CBC High School on the football field on Saturday, March 10th at 1 in the afternoon. If it's cold, we can go inside to the gym. We're only going to sell 2,000 tickets, so that's what the gym holds. And then uh, I'm working with some people on some pro matches that I think are going to be really significant, um, but I don't want to say anything until we've got these down. But the tickets are on sale at Cage Ticks. C-A-G-E-T-I-X dot com slash the letter B, the number four, and then the letters M-O, Battle for Missouri, B-4-M-O. And they're $20, but right now um, we're going to run a special from now till Valentine's Day. If you buy one, you get one free. And all the money goes to veterans with amputations, so your money is going to a great cause. There's going to be some great matches. We're going to start announcing the matchups this week. Uh, we're going to stream it live on Track Wrestling, and we're partnering, uh, obviously, not only with Track Wrestling, but MissouriWrestling.com in terms of 
putting up interviews and those guys are going to, you know, cover all the stuff afterwards. And they're putting up all of our literature and things like that and helping us with our social media because it's hard enough to raise money and be good at social media. So, uh, you know, we're trying to do both and, and they've been great partners over there. Anything else for us this week, David? No, I think I'm going to try to get a hold of Sean Bormet and talk to him a little, you know, talk to him this week on Matt Chat. And uh, with that big duel coming up, that feels like, it, it, you know, Sean's a really deep thinker, really cool guy to talk to. And, uh, you know, that's a huge duel for them. I don't know the last time Michigan beat Iowa, but I, I think it's been a year or two at least, you know, so I think it'd be a significant step in their program. So, you know, that and, you know, I, I think we saw, I saw on track all these Florida state championship, dual meet championship highlights. It's, it's coming down to crunch time for a lot of these high school programs in the next four or five weeks. Yeah. You know, almost everyone's going to, you know, almost every state is done by the end of February, first weekend of March. So good luck to all the coaches and all the kids that have been grinding not only this season, but for most of those kids, 11, 12 months of the year to, to try to make their dreams come true these last 30, 40 days. Absolutely. And my high school insider is going to come up, uh, be up on the site uh, here probably before the podcast gets gets posted actually but uh, so look on it look for it on track wrestling nice uh one thing that uh we're going to focus on this week is uh new state dual championships in new york and florida the tournament that you're talking about on track wrestling this past week and the highlights that we cut up the first ever state dual tournament in florida history went down last weekend new york's is coming up uh here i think this weekend and uh, one of the things that's really cool is just, you know, coaches in those states have pushed for a long time to get dual dual tournaments. And uh, uh, it's pretty cool to see that the state associations down there are, are in Florida and New York have made that happen. I think it's going to be really beneficial for the sport long term to, to add a little bit more emphasis, not just on uh, your state champions and state place winners and state qualifiers, but also the – uh, the kids that uh, are out and they're playing a role on their team, whether they're 500 or whether they're uh, struggling to get victories, but they're out and they're enjoying the sport. They can feel like, uh, you know, their contribution matters maybe a little bit more than, than what it did in years past for those teams. So that's cool. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, the Florida State Tournament, one of the highlights uh, down there, uh, Lake Highland Prep unbelievable what Mike Palazzo's program did this past weekend. I'm just going to read these off real quick before we sign off. Lake Highland Prep on its way to win on the Florida State Duels this weekend, this past weekend, outscored its three opponents 209-9, won 72-0 in the finals, went 39-3 in matches. The three matches that they lost were by a combined five points. And they won 30 of those 39 matches by fall. The 30, the 39 matches that they won, 30 of them by fall, 20 of them in the first period. So incredible what Mike Palazzo has done down at Lake Highland Prep. And uh, they've set the bar really high. I think that uh, what they've done is going to help Florida high school wrestling and, and show uh, the rest of the state, uh, you know, what what is out there and what they've done on the national level and what it's going to take to get to that level. So I think, uh, you know, we're going to see, you know, we've seen it in the last five to ten years. Florida high school wrestling has come a long way, and I think uh, that that's a state where it's going to continue to rise. So That's frightening. Those those team scores are frightening, Andy. 
I mean, yep. 72 to nothing in the finals. They wrestled high school's 14 weights. Like you said, they went 39 and three, and they were six. They were eight points away from being undefeated. Yep. And talking to him, he said one of his goals this year was to get everybody on their team a loss by yeah. wrestling a, a, a really, you know, that was my dad's, that was my dad's goal in junior college. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he said that he's gonna he's gonna get them to break out of their comfort zone a little bit more here for uh, the state tournament run as well. So I think you're gonna be seeing guys wrestling up weights, uh, but uh, pretty cool what they're doing down there and in uh, Florida or Lake Highland Prep. Certainly not alone in. Uh, uh, you know, playing a part of that role of the rise in Florida high school wrestling. So, David, uh, one more thing before we sign off. Euregan this week. Yeah. Uh, going to be really cool to, to see Kyle Snyder, Kyle Dake, David Taylor and company, uh, you know, letting it fly over in Krasnyarsk. Um, you know, it's it's really cool when we get to this point in late January when, when the, the – Euregan rolls around. It kind of marks the beginning of a new season for freestyle wrestling. Got the Indian Pro League going on uh, right now as well, and that's been a blast to look up the scores of that. I mean, there's there's at least one marquee match every day, it seems. Yeah. And uh, seeing some wild stuff. Haji Aliyev, uh, three-time world champ, uh, losing 11-3 to against Ilyas uh, Bekbaladov of Russia, the European champ. Um, then Helen Marula suffering a loss over there. Yeah. Uh, so, so it's a legit league. Uh, incredible high level stuff going on over there, and uh, we're gonna have an eye on it certainly this week on track wrestling, and a whole lot more coming down uh, here in the next month or so with the high school things, high school state tournament series getting really cranked up uh, over the course of the next month. So keep an eye out for that. David Mirkatani, thank you as always. Thank you, man. Always enjoy it. Likewise. And we certainly enjoy all of you uh, taking the time to listen each week to Weighing In. We will be back a week from now for another episode. For David Mirkatani, I'm Andy Hamilton. Thanks again. 